Well, we are in a series called You Are Here, and uh, what we've been talking about is this idea that you are where you are. That's, that's not a big, well, that is very philosophical. You can think about it on your way home, but you are where you are, and you got there by coming some direction in your life, and some of you are here, and you're in a good place for you because your past wasn't that great, and you can kind of see yourself on this journey. Others of you have found yourself in a pretty good place, and now you find yourself in a, in a little bit of the desert. And so we've been talking about what it means to know where you're at and then follow God's word to understand wh- how do you get where you're going to go. And the whole point of this series is that God is not sitting somewhere waiting for you to arrive. He's standing next to you saying, follow me. So it doesn't matter where you are particularly. You, you can say, well, I'm ashamed of where I, I am. He's still right next to you saying, well, let's go. Follow me. One of the wacky things about this series is that um, the the picture is of a road, and all I've been using are airplane metaphors, okay? So uh, we've been mixing metaphors. So what I decided this morning, since it's our last one in this series, is that's no longer a road. It's a runway, okay? And... uh, and, uh, if your wings hit that telephone pole, you're probably going to die. But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's a, it's a thing. So happy Mother's Day. We're glad you're here. I was telling Lisa on the way home, we had meetings uh, la- last night, and I, was, uh, I told her on the way home, I said, your, your package, your, your Mother's Day present isn't going to get here on time. I'm really sorry, because uh, I haven't ordered it yet. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, but it's okay. The reason I haven't ordered it yet is because I haven't picked it out yet, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> And so fortunately, I have a wife that is wonderful, 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 and uh, lets me off the hook more times than she should. Uh, So I'm leaving on a trip in a couple weeks, and or three weeks, I'm going to get on a plane, and I want to tell you something about me. When I book a plane, I'm looking for two words. Uh, it's, It's not about the price, and it's not about when I leave, and the two words are not first class, Okay. There's two words I look for, and, and, and those trump every, everything else I'm looking for until the price just gets too outrageous. Do you know what those two words are? Exit row. Exit row. Good. That's not it. What? Yes, Virginia. You said nonstop? That's it. Oh, because oh, you stole from the person behind you. Okay. I see that. That's great. That's great. Nonstop. My, my wife actually said nonstop, like right off the bat, but I think she stole my notes, so I, I didn't want to. Nonstop. I do not want to stop. I don't care what time I leave. I don't care how much it costs. I do not want to land in some nasty airport and sit in those sticky seats and wait, watch kids running all around and doing all that. I don't even, I don't know why they don't have a kid's airport. Like it's its own... <laughs> tiny planes and stuff. It just, anyway, I just don't, I just, if I, if I have to fly, I just want to get on the plane and, and start, and I want to land, and I want to land in the place that I'm supposed, okay, I, I love kids, okay, come on, <laughs> stop. Some of you are just like, I can't, I don't know, I, he hates children. It's just me, but nonstop is like my whole life. Like, like all sorts of areas in my life, I want to be nonstop. I just want to start it, I want to get it done, and I want to move on to the next thing. Okay, nonstop. Now, it's great when you're doing that for flying, and the only thing it costs you is maybe you leave on a red eye, or maybe it costs you a little more money, but your life cannot be nonstop. 
And I, I say this for two reasons that I hope I can convince you of uh, this morning. Now, just two months ago, we were in a series called Liar, Liar, and the lie was, I can't stop. That was the lie. And we, we looked at a whole different section of Scripture. This morning, I'm going to be referencing uh, what it's like for mothers. You know, I'll be referencing Mother's Day, but I want you to understand this sermon applies to everybody. No matter who you are, whether you're single, whether you ha- you're, you're a single parent, whether you're, you're together and you don't have any kids or whatever, it's this idea that we have this sense that we haven't succeeded until we've arrived. And so we want to get there as fast as we can. But what we've been looking at over the past few weeks is this idea that, um, uh, that Jesus is merely saying, follow me. That each step of obedience is an arrival. That, that it, there, there's no destination at the end. Now, now, for all of you who've been Christians for a long, long time, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but what about sanctification? That's a destination. And it's also a, a long, fancy word. Uh, it, it just means holiness. It just means to be set apart. There is a process of sanctification. And it always includes Jesus. So it would be great if you could raise your hand one day, become a Christian, and there you were, and you never sinned again, you never had any problems again, and nothing ever happens. But that's not the journey Jesus is calling us to. He is calling us to obedience, but he's calling us on this journey. And so if we're frantic about our lives, and again, for moms, it's so hard because you just have this whole weight of those kids. And dads do too, I understand that. But it's Mother's Day. You'll get yours in a couple weeks. I guess I won't be here, but, um, <laughs> but it's going to be awesome, uh, right? And so, so, so there's just this weight, and, and a lot of moms feel like if I do it wrong, I'm going to ruin my children, that, that, I'm go- that I could make a mistake that could destroy them, and there's just this big sense of nonstop. Now, like I said, we've been mixing metaphors all along, so I'm going to mix another one. The other thing about flying that I can't understand is when you get on, I can understand it, but when you get on, they give you advice, um, like pre-death advice is what I call it. And it's, they use these two phrases that are so, if you really thought about them, and one of them is, in the event of a water landing. And they put those two together like they belong, like they're in the case of a water landing. No, it's a water crash, okay? You don't land on the water. They're not designed to do that. So that's frightening. And then the other thing they say is, uh, in case of a decrease in cabin pressure. Now, I saw snakes on a plane. I know exactly what happens with a decrease in cabin pressure. You just get sucked out of, out of the thing. But that's not what happens. What happens is the oxygen masks drop. And then they say, put the oxygen, if you're traveling with young children, put your oxygen mask on first. That is so opposite the nature of what you'd normally do. Like, like why, why would they have you put yours on first? Like, even if I was traveling and there were young children next to me that weren't mine, I'd be like to the parents, don't worry, I, I got this one or something, you know. I mean, they say, put, put yours on first. Well, the reason they do that, which obviously you guys probably already know, is that you only have a little bit of time to get that oxygen on, and then you get what they call hypoxia. And that's you begin to lose oxygen. And then basically the point is, if you do that, you're no good to anybody, okay? Not even small children. And so I was online and I saw this um, YouTube channel that I've now subscribed to called Smarter Every Day. And uh, he did this experiment 
where he went into a chamber where they can, they can show you what it's like to be at a certain altitude even though you're not even off the ground. And they can decompress the chamber. And so he went in there and uh, they had, he had a little oxygen mask on and uh, they were doing, they, they told him to take it off and they wanted to see what, what would happen. And so what they did was they took a, a box with all these little shapes in it and, uh, and then he would, without the, the use of the oxygen mask, put the shapes in each one. So circle goes in circle. Well, you knew that, okay? Um, that's nothing new, okay? So, so then it, it waits a little, a little while, okay? And then that's where we're going to pick this up. He put a, a thing on his finger to show how much uh, blood his oxygen had. So let's take a look and see, uh, see what's going on. Okay. 
I was the more you know NBC with a rainbow. Okay. So, put your mask on first before you help others. When you are in the midst of nonstop, when you are in the midst of living to the very edges, when you're in the midst of that, sometimes we get it confused where we think, I'm doing all this for others. And so your career might be going and going and going and going and going. And the lie or the, the idea is that, well, I'm doing it for my kids. But what your kids need is for you to be oxygenated. Your kids need you to be healthy. You say, I'm doing it for my family. And sometimes we, 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 we go to the edges uh, of our lives and we just, we just go and go and go and go. And when we look back, it, it was all about serving others until it's too late. And then you have nothing left to give. I want to share um, a couple of sections of scripture. One is in Leviticus, okay? So it's in the Old Testament. And uh, sometimes you look at the Old Testament, Leviticus or Deuteronomy or whatever, and you see these laws and you think, well, those don't apply to me. Why, you know, th- that was the Old Testament. The New Testament is grace and Jesus and all, all that stuff. And, uh, but if you miss Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the Old Testament, you miss a really big part of God's principles for you. Now, now this is really, really important because God loves you very much. So when God gives you advice or God tells you, hey, you shouldn't do that, or God tells you, hey, you should do that, there's a reason. It's because he designed you and he knows what you need and what you don't. So this is in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. So he's talking to an agrarian society and what would happen is you'd either own a plot of land or you will have rented somebody else's land or you've been assigned a certain part of land. And, and, and there'd be a number of ways you could do this. You could take what you got on the land and feed your family. You could, you could take it and sell it if you had another, other ways you did it. You could do a combo of both. But what God knows is that in all of us is this propensity to want to go all the way to the edge, to get everything we possibly can, to, to, to just keep going and going and going so that we actually never arrive. And what God is telling these, uh, this agrarian society is, what I want you to do is, here's what I've given you. Here's your plot. I want you to squeeze in those margins and redefine your own plot. So that there's, some, there's always a margin on the outside. And you say, oh good, is that in case of emergency? Nope, it's not. Here's what it's for. Do not go over your vineyard a second time and pick up the grapes you have fallen. So now what he's saying is, I want you to define your plot smaller. And I don't want you to just work that plot to death. You go over it one time. He says, leave them, the, meaning the the grapes and the outside for the poor and the fo- uh, foreigner. In De- De- Deuteronomy, there's a very similar one. It's the, it's the uh, widow, the orphan, and the alien. So that, in fact, guys, this, this is just incredible. God has given you a plot in your life, certain amount of responsibility. And what he says is, I don't want you to go all the way to the edges because you're going to need something to take care of others. And you say, no, no, no. I'm, go, I'm, going, I'm doing the whole thing to take care of others. And he says, no, no, you're, def, you're defining the others. 
It's your own. It's your own family. It's your own thing. What I want you to do is, I, I don't want you to go all the way. I want you to have some margin for the disenfranchised, for the poor. And then, so what, what, for what reason would the Lord do that? Like, is it, is it when you look back, is it like economically sound? Is it... Um, like, is it that God says, no, honestly, trust me, in a, in a thousand years, you'll have scientists and they'll show that that was the smartest thing in the world to do, and you'll thank me later, anything like that. This is his answer, and this is a really, really important answer. He says, I am the Lord your God. That's why you do that. Oh, you know what this is like for the kids? Like, you know, the, the, the parents are here, and uh, the moms, it's Mother's Day. You know what this feels like to me? What's the phrase? Yeah, because I said so. Right, right, right. But, but here's the thing. It, it kind of, it, well, it's not because he is the Lord our God. And so he, there is a different, there is a different thing. But and he's also our heavenly father. And so what happens when a parent, when, when a kid asks a parent, when a, when a kid comes up to the mom or the dad and says, hey, I, I, I want to um, build my own roller coaster in the backyard. Not that any kid's ever done that. but uh, <laughs> you, And so, and so the, the parent's just like, we have to leave right now. We, we, I, I want to build a roller coaster. I want to build a roller coaster. Why? Why can't I? And you're just like, because I said so. Like, I can give you a good reason. We just don't have time. Okay, we need to get to church. It's Mother's Day. You can't build a roller coaster. And so this is what he says. Now, this is really harsh if you don't think that same God loves you very much. But if his identity is wrapped up in his love for you, and he says, I am the Lord your God, it becomes more of a reminder of his goodness rather than a dictatorial statement. Although in his sovereignty, it can absolutely be a dictatorial statement. He's God, okay? Here, here's my great point for this morning. Uh, you could have come up with this if you'd, on your own. If you lack it, you can't provide it. In other words, you can't give somebody what you don't have. And if you harvest all the way to the edges, and you consume all the way to the edges, and you drive yourself nuts getting all the way to the edges, you will have nothing. And I'm sure there are some moms in here that feel this right now. It's like, man, I have been going, 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 going. And they've all been good things. Providing. So I don't know. I don't even know how a single, if you're a single mom, I, I cannot, I don't know how you do it. Or a single dad, a single parent. I don't know how you do it. I can't do it. Lisa will leave for three days or four days to be with her friends or her, her, her mom and, uh, Jesse and I are like, party time. You know, it's like, you know, toilet seat up, check. You know, <laughs> red box videos ordered, check. You know, pizzas ordered, check. You know, right? And so we get, we get done with that whole time. And then by the next day, I'm like, hey, baby, when are you coming home? You know? <laughs> you don't want to come home early? Because, uh, you know, you can. You know, and then I'm like, oh, one last thing. Where's the toilet paper? You know? And she tells me, and then I would probably already looked in there already, but... But this is where we are. If you don't have it, you can't provide it. And so oftentimes we, we flip that around and we say, I got to get it all so that I can provide it. But once you've gone to the edges of your property and there's nothing left. This happened in my life uh, years before I became a pastor. Um, I was in business and um, it was a really 
um, great time in business, and you, you could make uh, pretty good money. And I was working 60 hours a week minimum, and I, I had nothing. I'd come home, and I had literally nothing. Now, if you had asked me at the time, why are you doing that? I'd say to provide for my family. I'd say, well, I, I, you got to put food on the table. But it was more than food on the table. Well, you got to get clothes. It was more than clothes. There was something else happening inside of me that I was getting my identity out of how much I worked and how much I made. And I masked it in, I need to provide for my family. I was out to the edges. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, what God wants us to do seems um, counterintuitive. If you've harvested to the edges and you need to scale back and you still didn't feel like it was enough, scaling back feels wrong. It feels different. And it feels, in a lot of ways, like you could be competing with God. So if I, if I tell you, as a parent or as a friend or as, a, as a, a person in a family, or maybe you're caring for someone older than you, if I tell you, hey, I think God wants you to stop and put your oxygen mask on first. I, I think God wants you to walk through the door and the first thing you do is just say, hey, I can't make dinner right now. I, 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 I have to go do this. Because God's economy is totally different. In, in God's economy in the Old Testament, this is how the poor were taken care of. If you, if you harvested to the edges, people were going to get hurt. In his economy today, it's the same thing. If we run ourselves ragged, we have nothing left for the people that we really love. So, let me show you God's economy. This is what it would look like in our lives if God took over our plot of land. If, if he had uh, full reign, if he said, I want you to plant here, I want you to harvest at this time, nope, leave that one alone, nope, I want you to take that, okay, you can, you can, you can take that one. And, he, and the way God describes this is through the Apostle Paul in a church to, in Galatia, and he talks about fruit. Instead of harvesting with grain or, or you know, uh, something like that, corn, whatever, uh, he talks about fruit. What does the harvest look like in God's economy? When you don't go all the way, when you leave room for his plan and his purpose in your life. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and here's all we're going to do for now, is just talk about the first three. Like, if you only got these three, if I could tell you in your life, okay, I, I, know, I know that you're doing great stuff for your family and, 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 and at work and all these things, but if you feel at the end of the day, I got nothing and I, I don't know if I can go on, you by default are not living in God's economy. There's something that needs to change. He did not give you your plot of land or design you in a way to where you have to go all the way to the edges. He wants you at some point to stop. And there's a fear in stopping, a big fear. Because you say, well, if I don't work those extra hours, I won't get that money. And then, okay, so watch. Here's, here's God's economy. Here's the fruit of God's economy. Love, joy, and peace. We're going to stop right there. Now, as you guys know, every week when I do a sermon, I try to place myself there instead of here, and I ask myself all these questions, and I really wrestle with the Lord about what do I really believe? What, what, 
what, you know, how do I apply this to my life? This is God's truth. And I started this exercise where if you told me that I could provide for my family, and, and whether, and it, not just because I'm a man, but if, you, if you're the female and you're the breadwinner or whatever, just, if you just think about yourself, whatever it is you are responsible for providing. Uh, if, if I provided for my family a nice house, not, not a gigantic house, but a nice house, and then a, um, uh, an, you know, a couple nice cars, clothes for everybody, food, and just kind of this sense that they didn't, you know, that they didn't have to do anything. But that cost me 70 hours a week, and when I came home, I had no love, no joy, and no peace. So really what I'm offering them is nothing in God's economy. If I'm not offering them love or joy or peace, I have nothing. I haven't put my oxygen mask on and I'm going to die of hypoxia in the spirit, if you will. And so if I had that, or or we lived in a tiny apartment, all the kids were in one bedroom, Lisa and I were in another uh, and we ate just like top ramen and, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, Cheerios. And uh, it's not a fill-in-the-blank sermon, okay? I'll come up with the blanks. So, so uh, it's like that's, that's, what, that's all we had. But our house was marked by love, joy, and peace. Which would I rather have? Now, before you just answer it and go, oh, the love, joy, and peace... There were parts I was like, mm, what if we did half love and a nice car, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what if we had the peace, but then the joy, oh, that came every weekend or whatever, you know? You start with, no, of course, the answer is love, joy, and peace because the fruit of the Spirit goes on. Patience or forbearance, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. He goes on to say, against such things there is no law. So, so in God's economy, he says, if you'd put your oxygen mask on, if you'd, if you'd slow down, if you wouldn't go all the way to the edges, just trust me. Now, here's how it would play out in my mind, because all of those decisions are not easy. Like, what do you, what do you scale back on? And so, I, I just, just in my mind's eye, I imagined being at the house, super frazzled, working too many hours, just kind of going, and the, the house is just chaotic because everybody's stressed out because we haven't, we haven't predefined a smaller boundary. So we, we have this other idea about what, sh- what we should be doing. And so Jesus knocks on the door. And it's like, who is it? You know, the dog barks, you know. Then miraculously stops barking. No. Uh, and so... Um, you know, you open the door and you're like, oh, it's, it's G- hey, Jesus, how's it going? And, and you're like, honey, it's Jesus. You know, you hear the back door open and some running away. And, uh, and, uh, and so Jesus sits down and he says, hey, I'm looking at the fruit of your life. And it's stress. And it's anger. It's worry. There's a heaviness. There's a sense of missed expectations. One of the biggest things we, we, we have as Americans is the fear of missing out. So when you take that, that, that field analogy, it's like if I don't go back and get every last bit, I might miss out on something in the future. And so Jesus takes all that and he says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
he says, here's what yours looks like. And you're like, ugh, you know. And so you go, okay, Jesus, what do we need to do? And that's where the rubber meets the road. Because so I notice you've been working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, whatever. Maybe 40 is too much for you. It doesn't matter what the number is. And he says, why don't you back that off? And the first thing that's going to come to your mind is that's impossible. That's impossible. If you saw my bill, have you seen my bills, Jesus? Hold on. Honey, get him the bank statement. I'd like to show him something. <laughs> right? So you go through this whole process. And he says, here's his answer. I am the Lord your God. You say, well, why, what if I go to my boss and I say, okay, I'm going to work instead of 50 hours, 40 hours, but those are going to be my best 40 hours. And he says, no. What then, Jesus? I am the Lord your God. Well, then do I, what, do I have to quit? What, what do I have to do then? What if I lose my job? Jesus, what about that? I am the Lord your God. You have to start with me. The best thing we can do as parents, as uncles and aunts, as grandmas and grandpas, as kids, is make sure we are oxygenated first before we try to help anybody else. We've got to get that time down with the Lord. If I would just lower my work hours by five, I could have 20 minutes with the Lord every day and 40 more minutes with my kids. That is working in the margins. And then what do I do? That band is just a band of faith that goes around my thing. I have to trust that he is the Lord, my God, and that he's going to take care of me. So it goes on with, this, with these things. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, if you would just follow God's economy, there's nothing that's going to come along that's going to get you. Now, if our expectations are at the edges of the boundaries, that that's where we have to be. And let me just say, social media is awesome at this. Because what we end up having to do is watch everybody else's boundaries. And so, so a, a couple things will happen. Either you don't know, you'll see how, how, how far they've, they've harvested and all the things they have, and you go, wow, that is so awesome. But you don't know the turmoil, the lack of joy, the lack of uh, love, and the lack of peace. It's, now, you have no idea. The other thing we do is we pick and choose different people who might be harvesting within their, with their thing, but we don't see what they've sacrificed to do it. So we say, oh man, I want her money. I want uh, his third wife. I want, uh, you know, that, that person's car. I want those person's kids. I wish my kid. And we end up just kind of creating this super family or super person on Instagram or whatever. And, and that's just the tension. And the Lord sits back and he says, stop, stop. Harvest your field. You can post pictures on it later, but wait till you get down to the right, uh, right amount. Just, cut, just harvest your field, what I've given you. And at that time when you say, Lord, I think I know what you're asking me to do, I don't know if I can. He says, I am the Lord your God. And, and wrapped up in that identity of I am the Lord your God is a God who loves you, who designed you, and knows if you don't get that oxygen mask on right away, not only are you going to die, but those around you are going to be injured as well. And so 
Here's my hope for us. Here, Galatians goes on. Galatians goes on and uses a little more stronger language than we'd use for this particular sermon, but it applies. He says, those belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, we th- in term- when you read that, you think, oh, like sin or whatever. But when you've crucified your flesh, all you've said is, I know I'm going to have to give some things up in order to make Christ first, in order to get that oxygen mask on me. So I might have to wake up a little earlier to just have that time with Christ. You're not adding that on, then you take away something. Maybe I go to bed 15 minutes earlier. Because it's not, you're not working and working and working. Jesus doesn't sit there and go, man, you look exhausted. You better work on your spiritual life. <laughs> you know, wake up earlier. Like, wait, that doesn't help. You, there, there's a give and take. And so those it says, who belong to Christ Jesus, who are walking with him, know that there are going to be times in order for me to live the life that God wants me to live, a life of holiness, a life of, that focuses on him, I'm going to have to crucify my flesh. I'm going to have to get rid of some things in my life. For some, it might, it might just be television, Netflix. It might be something like that. There, you just found your hours. First goes to the Lord. You get your oxygen mask on. The Lord begins to transform you, begins to renew you. You get transformed by the renewing of your mind as you read the word, and now you can begin to put the oxygen mask on those around you because you're in a place of safety. So you, but it's going to take that crucifying the flesh. Then he says this wonderful statement. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step. And this goes back to the very first sermon I preached in this series. This way. Where you get, you're at the edge, and there it is, and you know I'm not supposed to uh, harvest in this area. I'm supposed to leave it alone. I need to turn whatever it is off. I need to stop whatever I'm doing. I need to get in my car. I need to do whatever. And the, Lord, and the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 not that way, this way. And you go, okay. You are the Lord, my God. So here's what I'd like to do um, as we wrap up. Uh, as Adjua comes back up, I want to I give us a little bit of time. Typically, Adjua writes a poem while I'm preaching, but if we could... Yeah, thanks. Uh, I want to give you some time to just to just breathe. One of the reasons I'm going on sabbatical in the next couple of weeks is to get my oxygen mask on. Uh, there's no crisis. The plane's not going down. I don't have uh, hypoxia just yet. I don't even feel any... No, I'm sorry. I don't even feel any of the, of the, of the symptoms of being burnt out or whatever, but I just know that I have to get refueled and recharged so that we can enter into this next season together. And so part of that is just a time in the beginning of the sabbatical to just... So what I'm going to ask us to do, we're going to take about two minutes. Actually, you know what? We're going to take three minutes. I know that doesn't sound long, but when you have ADD, it sounds like we're here for a week and a half. (laughs) That's about all... Thank you. That is... Jeez. Can't wait to get out of here. Okay. I'll just... 
We're going to take about three minutes, and um, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd just like it to be quiet, and I don't know, Gary, I don't know if the heat's, if the air is on or not, but it seems kind of warm in here. I don't want everybody falling asleep in the three minutes. (laughs) To just take some time, and imagine Jesus coming up to the door of your life or whatever. What would be his initial assessment first? Because if you're doing okay, you're doing okay. Sermons aren't designed to like make everybody feel bad. If you might be going, you know what? I'm in a really great spot. Good. For some of you, you might be doing pretty well, but there's this one area where you're just like, I, I have got to, st- I am just grinding in that area. And the Lord might say, okay, let's work on that portion of your property to pull those things back in. And just think about what it's going to cost you. And think about what the Lord's response might be to you. For some of you, it's just an all-out struggle. You are just at the margins right now. And you just might need to hear from the Lord, I am the Lord your God. We're, gonna, we're on this journey together. You're not, you're not going to arrive at this in a week. You're not, the idea isn't the, to arrive. The idea is to follow me. 